Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today's guest is one of our kinkiest to date. She's a leather woman, a sadomasochist, and a BDSM sexpert. Get ready for some more Leather Talk. This is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today I have Queen Anna Elgos. Uh, Queen Anna, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Hello, everyone. My name is Queen Anna Elgos. I am Miss Sanctuary Leather 2020 slash 2021. Thank you, pandemic. <laughs> I am an ethically polyamorous, sadomasochist, pro-dom, colored submissive, top-heavy, black, pansexual, female switch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, when people ask me my description, I'm just like, let me just write this out. And then, you know, if they understand it, good. If they don't understand it, all right, time to educate some folks. <laughs> I think uh, you could have it on your business card or something on the very back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's all that will be on the back. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. Well, Anna, we, we just recently met actually a week or two ago, was it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, yeah, um, and it, what was really cool is uh, we did... You know, Leather Talk is really a, an audio podcast, but we were reached out to through Elliot Musgrave's reference. We were, we were reached out to by the Fight Magazine and Weehoville to put on sort of like a virtual pride segment for the leather community. And you actually were able to come on and kind of, you know, help represent the community for, for Sanctuary. And how was that mm-hmm. for you? It was good. It was good. You know, we touched on some deep subjects, but it needed to be brought up. And I'm glad we had that chance to have those deep conversations. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a weird dynamic because like the, the producer so badly wanted me to just be like, let's have this. It's like happy pride, like high energy. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that would work for any other year probably. But right now, especially um, with the black lives matters, and um, the pandemic and all of these things happening, like there's serious issues. Like we can't really just brush over these, you know? Right, right. Um, but anyways, we'll get into that a little bit later. I want to know more about you. <laughs> all right. So y- you consider yourself a pa- pansexual, is it? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So when did you discover yourself as pansexual? Well, when I got to college, you know, I, well, first of all, I grew up in a super religious household. And so, you know, we were taught, don't masturbate, don't touch yourself, don't wear a skirt too short, your dress can't be too tight. But I was kind of a, I don't know how to put like a good rebel. So I was always (laughs) interested in talking about people's bodies and talking about, you know, people's mental states and talking about dark things such as kink. But, you know, everyone's like, you can't talk about those things. I remember going to church camp one time and a Jennifer Lopez song came on. Oh, I was waiting for it tonight. And I started singing it. And they're like, you can't sing such songs. (gasps) 
And I was like, what? It's just a, just a song and sex is natural. But, you know, I got to college and started accepting myself more. And then I realized that, oh, my goodness, I'm bi. But then I was like, wait a minute. I actually like everyone that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you have down there as long as you have a good personality in your heart and a good character. And so I started telling, just accepting the fact that I'm more pansexual than bisexual. So, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting that you say that. And you know what's so funny is just like, um, and I we don't have to get too deep into this, but you do, we both grew up in a very religious household. And mm-hmm. um, I have a, a cousin who will remain nameless, but she was just kind of coming out in, into high school. And I, I believe she's pansexual. I don't think she's come up with that kind of label for herself yet, but that's what it's kind of seeming. And, you know, when mm-hmm. she came out to me, I said, wow what a gift. And she just like looked at me like, what? So what a gift that (laughs) you are able to look past someone's body and their physical Mm -hmm. presentation and just appreciate them for who they are. And she was like, like, you're right. Like, and it truly is. I think sexuality is a gift. Yes. Yes, indeed. I agree with you. So, um, so you grew up in a religious family. So did you ever come out to your family explicitly? So it's funny, I did. I tried to explain how I'm involved with the kink community. And so my family just could not understand what was going on. And so in their minds, they're like, oh, so you're a stripper. And I was just like, (laughs) no, no, there's like dungeons and there's like munches and socials. And they were like, so you have sex with people? And they just, (laughs) they could not understand what was going on no matter what I said. So in their mind, I'm a stripper. Um. (laughs) (laughs) it's just that concept far out of their box all out of their realm you know right they just they just didn't understand and I you know it just kind of they were just like I don't I don't I don't get it I don't I don't know and I was just like it's fine you know just know I'm a good person and I I do things at dungeons (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then some I tried to come out to some friends and they just couldn't understand either they were like, well, why are you, what's, what's Polly? I thought you only wanted to be with one person. Cause I was trying to tell my best friend like, oh, I went on this date with another person. And they were like, but wait, aren't you dating this other dude? I was like, yeah, but I went on another. And so they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, isn't that cheating? I was like, no, no, no. They were just like, that doesn't <laughs> sound right. And I was just like, this. So, you know, I learned that you can't uh, make everybody understand what you're into or what you do and that's okay my job is not to make my family understand and like what you as long as they know that I'm still a good person that I'm still Mm -hmm. a good friend a good daughter cousin that's all that matters and you know some people will argue that well they should you should tell everybody that you're out that you're that you're kinky and stuff and you know I just discovered some people just can't handle it and you have to figure you got to make that decision like okay do i tell everyone and know that i'll never speak to my grandmother again you know Mm -hmm. do i cut off my best friend and you know because i like being kinky so you just gotta you gotta make those decisions to see what's best for you yeah i i I definitely agree with you i mean there's even my most accepting family members um i kind of touched on the fact that i i'm in an open relationship with my partner of you know many years now and 
my aunt, she was just like, I, I mentioned kind of lightly, oh, yeah, I made out with this dude at the bar, like in front of mm-hmm. my partner. And he's okay with it. And she's like, oh, no, like, Brandon, that's not okay. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. My audience is a totally – sometimes you have to remember your audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. Well, I do want to know a little bit about your kind of kink life. When did you first encounter Leather and Kink? Let's see here. Well, even though I grew up, like, in a super religious environment, for some reason I was always – I, I was one of those people that would talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, even as a, like a young person, I was always talking to people older than me because I just wanted to learn and hear about people's experiences. And so for some reason, I had a lot of, a group of people that were into motorcycles and leather. Mm-hmm. And so they would tell me about bars. They would tell me about their relationships and their family. And I was just like, okay. And, you know, and they taught me, they're, they're like, you know, people look at us as like heathens that we're, that we steal, that we are terrible people, but that we're good people, you know, and I got to see the, my religious side kind of taught me that, oh, you know, stay away from those people. But they taught me, they're like, they're good people. You know, they were doing charity events. And I was like, That's, there's nothing wrong with them. Why are people judging them just because they, they look, they look tough and they look bad, you know, they mm-hmm. look like criminals. And so that was my first exposure to leather, just growing up around people that um, were on the motorcycle side of things. Where did you grow up? It sounds like you were like in the heart of the Bronx (laughs) or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. I spent part of my childhood in like the Compton area. And then I um, had part of my childhood in Arkansas. (laughs) Well, those are totally different. (laughs) Yes, yes, very. I tell people, you know, I used to live in the ghetto and then I lived in the country and then I moved back to California, lived in Long Beach and I was like, I live by the ocean. And then I lived in Lancaster for a little bit. So I lived in the desert. So now I just need to move to Alaska and I will have all climates covered. (laughs) There you go. There you go. But don't leave LA. We need you here. (laughs) (laughs) You can't get rid of me. Sorry, LA. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. So is that part of the reason why you moved back to kind of be more active in in the kink world or was that for different reasons? Oh, we just moved back just because we realized there was just more family here and Mm -hmm. more opportunities. So yeah, went from a school that had 200 people to 2,500. There you go. That's right. Um, So when you, when you, let's see, like... I'm just trying to figure out how you became a sanctuary, really. Like, <laughs> so your first time experiencing, you know, leather kink and those people was at a young age. When did you yourself kind of find yourself in in like a leather scene or like a bar scene? Well, it was probably around 2015. Um, I, I tell people that's when I officially join the kink community because looking back on my life, I always had these signs that I was kinky. Like I said, I enjoyed talking about the body, the mental aspect of sex. I was fascinated by the psychology behind pain. Um, Let's see, whenever I had the chance, I would try to talk to people about like, like, oh, let's let's talk about the body and like endorphins and stuff. And they're like, what are you talking about? I just want to play on the playground. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, just like having deep conversations. But I was also, you know, I'd play with needles and would stick them through any part of my body that I could. 
Um, I was an altar server at church. And so I was fascinated by wax. I'd be like, oh, wax fell on my hand. Oh, darn. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I wish we were friends growing up. (laughs) We would have had the best time. Best time. Um, And so, you know, I I just pushed all those away. But then I got to college and um, I was dating this guy and it was when I was monogamous and I was just like, okay, I want to start, you know, bringing up kink to him. And so I'd bring home books and go like, Hey, let's, let's try this or let's do this. or let's go here. He's like, that, that stuff in that book looks painful. I was like, Oh, it'll be fine. We'll just start slow. And then, you know, him and I just didn't work out. And then I started doing online dating and started meeting people that were also interested in getting deeper into the kink world. And so that's when I started going to Sanctuary. And I, w- I remember my first party, it was a gentleman in charge at Sanctuary. And I got so dressed up in like this black ball gown. Oh, what? <laughs> it, because like gentleman in charge had this kind of like high protocol, um, male dom, female submissive oh, kind of atmosphere. Okay. So, you know, girls dress up, guys are in good slacks or a suit. And so I was like, I'm gonna dress up and just look all all pretty into the nines. And so I had my lingerie underneath. And so I'm just walking, it's like, it was packed that night. I'm just walk- walking around, seeing people get spanked, seeing people get kicked. There's like whips and there's floggers. And I was like, yeah, I am home. <laughs> like, <laughs> this yeah. is where I belong. And so I started going to parties and classes and events. And I just, I was reading books and studying. And I was like, this is amazing. And so I started out as a submissive, you know, just looking for people to play with. And then my friends would say, hey, you know, can you spank my friend? We trust you. And I was just like, all right, we'll, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started, you know, slowly moving into being a switch. Cause I was like, okay, I like, I like knowing how to do things to other people. And then um, I was approached by some friends to help co-host, um, champagne room which is a body positive charity event play party that we host at sanctuary where we invite people from the community to come perform so they we've had burlesque dancers strippers pole dancers fire dancers interpretive dancers we had a drum circle a couple of times we have comedians and they pick a charity and the audience throws money on stage and we donate it to different charities throughout california so we've been doing that for the last three years and actually we this we just had an online champagne room and that helped raise over i think eight hundred dollars um so yeah that was great and it was funny because i tell people i was throwing parties at sanctuary before i even got hired (laughs) (laughs) and so um i went to mistress cyan love her and i applied and i i got in and i got in as a switch and i really enjoyed it i learned so much from her and the other people that work there and then i discovered that i really enjoyed topping others more and then submitting to others because for me i felt submitting to others um was special mm-hmm. and I only wanted to do that with people that I was play partners with or friends with and it wasn't something that I was comfortable just doing for money and but with topping I enjoy doing that for money and helping people explore kink safely and I enjoy doing that for fun and so 
that's why I switched over to just being a professional dom. And yeah, and then Miss Sanctuary competition was coming up and I was like, you know what? I'm a great leader. I love my community. I am big on education and it's wonderful that I work at Sanctuary and I would be a great Miss Sanctuary. And I ran and here we are. Wow. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. So let's go back a little bit because I'm sure there are people listening here who are maybe not into the kink scene and maybe some of these things kind of went over their heads. So first thing I want to talk about is top and bottom. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, like you and I said, you know, our family members who can't wrap their heads around things like polyamory, for example, uh, a lot of times we're locked into these set mindsets of what it means to be top and bottom. And you just said that you you prefer to make money, you know, when you're the top. So what does it mean? Could you talk a little bit about what it means to be top and bottom in the kink world? Sure. So when you're topping someone, that means that you are the one doing the action to someone or giving the command. Um, So you're the one doing some type of impact play on someone. The bottom is the one that's taking the impact. They're the ones that's um, going to be obeying the command. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so when people come in for a session or they contact me, I'm the one that is giving them a command or doing an action to them, to their body. So this is this goes beyond penetration. There's no penetration necessarily, correct? Right, right. And I think a lot of people get confused because they'll be they'll they'll think, oh my goodness, you're a sex worker, so you're just having sex with all these people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> there's no type of penetration, none of that. It's it's all mental. It's all you know. Some people even prefer to have all their clothes on, you know, mm-hmm. and it's all like physical impact stuff like that, but no, no penetration. Got it. Got it. And um, when, when we talk about sanctuary, sanctuary is a physical space, correct? Yes. Yes. It's a physical space near LAX. We are closed for parties and events right now, but when it was open, you know, people, we'd have parties like, oh gosh, we had the men's parties. We had beginners parties, awakening. We had champagne room, Club Inferno, Club Anarchy. Um, we had a drive-in movie night. We had all kinds of fun things. But now, you know, we're trying to do more things online. We do our classes online now. Yeah, but people can still come in and come in for sessions with some of the professionals that are available right now. Okay, so more like one-on-one things instead of, you know, 200 people. Right, right. Yeah, not yet. Um, L.A. County hasn't approved for big gatherings just yet. And, you know, some of our parties can get up to almost 200 people. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, you know, just for those of us who have never been into Sanctuary, I actually have not been to Sanctuary and I'm kicking myself in the butt for not getting myself there before COVID because now God only knows how long I'll, it'll take before I get to yeah. go over there. But, you know, for, you know, your friends in Arkansas who are listening, um, <laughs> <laughs> Could you describe to us, like, what is it like when you walk into sanctuary, what are the first things that you notice? What's around you? What What's the environment like? All right. So let's see here. We have, you drive up, small parking lot, a little bit of street parking. You walk up, you enter through our glass doors. And probably the first thing you'll see is you'll notice the lady tied up um, being suspended on, on the wall. You'll see that photo and you'll notice a cage in the corner. 
(laughs) (laughs) And then you'll see the front desk and that's where you know you'll pay your fee or show them that you bought your ticket or you're asked to see someone to play with. And you walk through to the main room and you'll see our display case of floggers and whips and canes and books and rope that is for sale. Um, You'll see the bar where Miss Cassie works for the events. And then you walk into the main room. And let me tell you, we were not lazy during uh, COVID. Um, Madame Marguerite and Lady Remedy have been working their tails off during all types of renovations. So some people, when they do come back to Sanctuary, they won't even recognize some things. Redid the floor. They redid the entire stage. The rugs are gone. The couches are gone. It's it's amazing. And wow. so we have these lights around the stage. Um, the stage used to be carpeted, but now it's hardwood floors. And they they put in the floors by themselves. And oh my gosh, it was just amazing seeing their photos and just, they worked so hard. I'm so appreciative of them. But yes, you have like the main room where there's like little tables and little chairs. I got rid of the couches because we wanted something that was easier to wipe off um, because, you know, COVID is real. And so we got more table chairs that can be disinfected easily. And then there's different playrooms. So each room is is named. So we have Anubis. That's a uh, one of our smaller rooms and it has a bed in there. So some people will use that for like massages or whatnot. Next to that is Hera and it has some St. Andrew's cross, um, spanking bench, a cage and a rig for light rope, not full body suspension, but you know, a little bit, some little light things next to that is Zeus. That's one of my favorite rooms because it has the best piece of furniture called the gingerbread man. So Imagine your gingerbread cookie and <laughs> it's uh, kind of up. It's like hip height and you can put someone on it and then strap them down and they can't move. And so it's great for, you know, you're doing like electro play. You don't want your person to move or you're doing some type of knife play. You don't want them to move. It's just, it's just really fun. And there's also, oh my God, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many more rooms. There's so many more rooms, but there's like, uh, yeah, most of the rooms will have like a cross, some type of spanking bench, some type of cage. Um, and then we have Aphrodite, which is our sissification room. So some people will come in and say, Hey, can you dress me up? And we actually have like we have clothes in this room. There's, it's like, a, it looks like a bedroom and there's, there's makeup and there's there's wigs there's shoes there's all types of things and we do wash everything so yes we and we have a washer and dryer on site that has a sanitation feature on it so we are we are big on cleaning we really stepped up our cleaning game even more so we have a handbook that the state sent sent us about cleaning and so we have been telling the, the professionals you know like hey you know these are here are the gloves here's alcohol here's cavicide wipe down everything and we're so you know every few hours or so we're going through and cleaning and double bagging the trash when we throw it out and yeah it's it's been good I feel really safe going back to work because we have taken such high protocols on cleaning we have gloves we have masks we take people's temperatures when they walk in they can't walk past the front door if we don't take their temperature and give them a survey on how they're feeling mm-hmm. wow it, you know, what I'm getting from from all of this is, you know, one, excitement, but two, I, I'm finding, you know, just based off of how you're describing Sanctuary, that 
a lot of passion, a lot of hard work, and a lot of care really went into this venue, this this area for people to really discover. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, people have worked hard to make sanctuary a place where people can come and feel welcomed. You know, we're not just a play space. We are a home to some people. This is a place where we can have men's parties. This is a place where we can have our protocol party, our beginner parties and classes. You know, I really think it's wonderful that we have like Mr. Cyan, we have Sir Ezra and Jen uh, Lost and Found. They're doing classes online. So we're keeping that alive to help people stay educated. And, you know, it's not just about fun because we want people to stay educated And because kink involves a lot of risk when we're playing. Mm. And so we want people to be prepared physically and mentally when they play with each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you did also mention that, you know, you were running, you decided to run for uh, Miss Sanctuary. So the Miss Sanctuary leather title, it, it sounds like you wanted to run for this title mainly because you identify so much with it. You seem very passionate about everything that goes on there. Right. I wanted someone that truly represented what Sanctuary was all about, that we are about community. We're about education. We're about helping each other grow. And that was my platform. It was based off of education, acceptance, and community. And so I have, for education, I've done online classes and I was doing classes in person. For the community, I've done a lot of fundraisers, for so many different types of groups, for St. Jude's, for Beggars Against Child Abuse, for the Center for Positive Sexuality, for Four Sanctuaries, the list goes on and on, and for acceptance. Um, Champagne Room was about acceptance. It's about, we don't care your size, your gender, your orientation, you are invited to perform. And, you know, sometimes I'll go to events with friends because they feel scared to them. Just like, you don't have to feel scared. I will be there with you. You are welcome. You are special. You are valid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really love that. It, it definitely, you you definitely fill the shoes of a really good Miss Sanctuary. You seem like a, much of a mentor to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So the, the competition, is it similar to other leather competitions? Like, in mine, we had like three rounds where it was kind of a little bit of pageantry, really, um, of like outfits and questions and speeches. And w- was yours kind of similar? Yeah, I would say so. We had, uh, let's see if I can get this right. <laughs> My memory is terrible. But we had, uh, we had our interview. We had like a sexy um, outfit portion. I wore this like white lingerie piece. We had our bar wear. Um, so I wore leather vest, leather jacket, and leather pants with some black boots. Um, and I think for my interview, I wore a leather dress. And um, for my performance, uh, I had like a couple of costume changes because my performance was about my growth from, you know, Catholic schoolgirl to a pro dom. So I had like a Catholic schoolgirl outfit and then I had a cheerleader outfit and then I take that off and I'm wearing like a pro dom outfit. That sounds sexy. Uh, did you get to did, <laughs> <laughs> do you get to like perform like sexual-esque scenes like during this time or like on stage? Um I guess some people can, because I've seen people, you know, they're like completely naked on stage performing. Um, 
I've uh, seen people do whipping scenes on naked people or tying someone up. So I think as long as it has a meaning, people can do things as long as it's not perceived as crude or, you know, like, make sure your message is clear. (laughs) Right, right. It's not just about sex. It's about the intention behind whatever you're showing. Right. I thought it was so funny because when when I got on uh, to do my fantasy uh, or performance, rather, I I asked uh, the bar owner, Michael, for my bullet bar title. Um, I was like, so, like, what's the policy on, like, getting head on stage? (laughs) (laughs) So I had to come up with creative ways to make it look like. (laughs) That's awesome. So, so, you know, you mentioned you teach classes and I have been scrolling through Instagram and stuff. And I saw that you had like a, I think it was like a fisting class and like just different classes that you were, you were hosting Mm -hmm. online. Can you talk a little bit about that? So I am a big fan of anal play and anal training. So, um, I just got, I was always fascinated with, with, um, anal play when I was younger and I was like researching like all the nerves down there and how it can stretch and how just all these types of things. But of course all my friends were like super Catholic and no one wants to talk about that, (laughs) but I'm glad I remembered everything when I grew up. And so I love teaching couples and individuals like, Hey, you know, let's here's how you practice. Here's how you clean yourself. There's different types of enemas. There's different types of plugs. Make sure you use the right loop or you will destroy your butt plugs. Um, (laughs) and so I've always been big into that and, um, yeah, just helping people be safe. And yeah, I've, I've, I've taught a lot of classes in person and online. Like I teach classes on finding your dominant voice, finding your submissive voice, And then each of those classes have like a workshop where we will practice different sayings and different scenarios of role play with the different types of voices, playing with and as an elderly kinkster, dungeon etiquette for beginners, client etiquette um, if you are going for a session. Um, Right now on every Thursday, I am doing what I'm calling SOS with Anna. So that stands for soft skills, open discussion and support. So it's like a kinky support group every Thursday from 6 to 7.30 PST, and it's $5, and people can come on and ask all kinds of questions about kink, whatever they have, and we will answer together, and if I don't know the answer, we will get to it. We will find it somehow. We'll find it together. I love that. So you're really acting as sort of like a, you know, a vehicle for people to discover more about themselves. Yes, yes, indeed. So we know that you're kind of like, you know, this advocate kind of, you are an advocate really for education and, and for, you know, uh, getting people to experience all of these different things. What about for yourself? Like, what are some of your favorite scenes like or favorite kinks and fetishes like personally? Let's see here. Um, I have so many. Um, I um, Let's see. One, well, you said one of my favorite scenes. One of my favorite scenes happened last year. So this client of mine came in. He wanted to dress up like a female. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And so he is so serious. He has his own boobs. He has really nice wigs. He had this amazing, I think it had to be like a tailor-made uh, cheerleading outfit and the shoes and the socks. And so... Um, 
I have them dress up and then I go, all right, you want to be sexy? Well, dance for me. And so I turn on a thong song and I'm like, strip. <laughs> and he's like, what? I was like, strip. And, he and, I, and every time he wasn't sexy enough, I would hit him with the flogger. <laughs> oh my. So it was just great just watching this guy. You know, he got all dressed up, did his makeup, did his hair. Now I'm just like, all right, strip to this music. <laughs> strip to the thong song for me. You got to be, se- gonna be a lady, got to be sexy. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Uh, so do you, you must enjoy the power of that kind of scene. I do. I do. Because that's what some people come to me for. They want someone who's going to take control, who is going to safely play with them physically and mentally. Because I've gotten people that say, hey, I played with this lady and she hurt me or she scarred me. She didn't know how to do aftercare. She didn't check on me. And, you know, I get sad when I hear those stories because Mm. I understand why people come to me. You know, I don't care that they're married. You know, I am here delivering a service because maybe they can't get their kinky side fed in their marriage or in their relationship or dynamic or whatever they are in. You know, um, some people will have high power, high stress jobs and, you know, they see me and they want to have a submissive moment. And I also have people that come to me, they're just like, I just, I recognize that you are a powerful black woman. So I have people that will just call me because I do Night Flirt and Sex Panther. They'll just call me and say, I recognize your power as a black woman. And they'll talk for like an hour of saying how much they love like black women. I'm just like, all right, you're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting essentially paid to be just kind of praised for a little bit. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you are part of the House of Algos. Could you talk a little bit about what, what a house is and what that means? Sure. So, yes, I'm part of House of Algos. Algos is actually Greek for pain, which is perfect because mm. I am a sadomasochist. <laughs> and so um, House of Algos was founded by um, Sir Ezra, my anchor partner slash fiance. And a house is... It's like a close knit community of friends. It's uh, play partners. And so there's BDSM houses, there's letter houses, and each house will look a little bit different. But for the most part, you are gathering people close to you that you connect with. And so we have uh, certain values that we follow and we're big on volunteering and about integrity and accountability. And so, so those are some of our like house values. And so we have a, um, a list of standards that we try to uphold. And when people interview to be part of the house or we meet a partner that might be a longtime partner, we say, hey, these are the standards. Can you abide by them? So it, it'll be such things as, you know, um, please watch your alcohol, be a safe player, know your risk, have accountability, have integrity. And, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, this is great. And some people are like, wow, you guys really have a lot of values and standards for me to uphold. And it's just like, yeah, because we're trying to make sure that we have good people near us, right, right. you know. So does each house kind of have its own set of standards? Yes. Yes, they do. So, you know, we might place high value on accountability and integrity. And someone might be like, well... I want my education might be high on one house. I know one one house, they're big on education. So they make their partners teach classes at least once a month. So it just depends on what you value. 
All right. And so how do you find, do you just Google or how did you find your house? Um, well, I met um, Sir Ezra back in 2016, I believe. And then he told me about his house and we kind of, you know, looked over the standards, looked over some of the rules and such and, you know, kind of narrowed it down about, you know, what would be best for the growth of us and the things we could do for the community. And just like any contract, we have amended some things over the years, things that work, things that don't work, because sometimes you get into such a high, like dom space (laughs) and you write something and it just sounds so strict. And we're like, wait a minute, you know, is this really helping someone grow into a better person? Is this really helping the community? And so sometimes we'll amend some things and tweak some things around to make it sound a little bit more um, kinder. So, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm curious. Are is it important for your partner or partners to necessarily be kinky? Let's see. I will say that for me, it's important that they are, or either they need to be aware that I am, and that I am Polly, and that I am also collared. I well, it's a couple of things they need to recognize. I'm kinky. That I'm collared. That I'm that I'm a pro dom. And that they just need to accept all of that. (laughs) And I've learned over the years that that truly works if they're kinky too. (laughs) I see. I see. And I guess at least the the openness to it. Can you explain a little bit what it means to be collared? So collared um, is equivalent to, for some people, it's almost like a, a marriage or a relationship with someone. So you meet someone, you discover that you have great chemistry, that you play well, and you want to enter into a dynamic. You want to make your playtime official. And so you do this period of consideration where, you know, there might be some tests or some tasks you need to complete. And then once you're done with your period of consideration, you get collared. And I will say that collaring can look different for a lot of people, you know, uh, with me, I did the period consideration and then I was collared. Uh, but for some people, you know, they might wear a collar because it looks, it looks fun. It looks cute. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, some people don't take it as serious, but for me, my collar is equivalent to a wedding ring. I'm like married to my partner in, in the kink space. Okay. Okay. So when it comes to then what consensual, how do I put this? When you come up to somebody at a bar with a collar on, is it appropriate to feel okay to like just start hitting on them? Or do you have to kind of figure out whether that collar is a fashion statement or if it means that they're with somebody? You kind of have to quickly figure out like, okay, what can I say appropriately that shows that I'm giving a compliment, but also gives off the signal that I want to flirt with you? (laughs) (laughs) So it's one of those things where you just have to almost be kindly blunt and say, hey, I'm Anna. I just want to say you look really nice tonight and I see you have a collar on. Please let me know if I am overstepping any boundaries by talking to you. And that sounds kind and it shows your intention. Got it. Got it. Okay. So for you, I mean, if someone were to come up to you and like hit on you at the bar because you're also Polly, how does that dynamic work? So my my anchor partner and I have an agreement that they trust me to associate with decent people. 
And so we date people together and separately. And so we'll give each other's each other feedback on the people that we're seeing. We'll go like, um, well, is that person trustworthy? Uh, they stood you up three times. Let's let them go type of thing. And so if someone were to hit on me at the bar, you know, I would see kind of test the water and see like, okay, are you a good person or are you wasting my time? <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So it really comes down to communication, really. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Now, I am curious. I I asked this the other day to, um, who was it? I think it was Don Mike. Don Mike was, uh, you know, Don, he was the co-host. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, kink's gone wrong. Like, do you have any fun or embarrassing stories related to kink? Um, oh yeah, I had I have a funny embarrassing. It's not I don't know if it's embarrassing, but it was funny to me later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so this is a rare story of me bottoming. So okay. um, so I was um, I have a slight fear of spiders, and okay. I gave my anchor partner permission to do a spider scene on me. We're just doing like uh, a fear, fear place. Like, this is like a and real spider. Yeah, he had um, oh, what are they called? Black widows in a jar. Oh, um, oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, I don't like spiders, and yeah, don't be in my house because you will not live long. <laughs> um, so I'm tied down to the bed and. He takes the jar and I'm, I'm, I'm like face down. He takes the jar, he puts it on my back and the jar is cold. So I'm just like, okay, okay, I can do this. The spider's in a jar. And, and then he starts unscrewing the jar. And I was like, oh no, oh no. And so I somehow wiggled my way out of the rope and fell off the bed. But I'm like still tied too. And, he, and then I look over and he was just like, this is a different jar. <laughs> And I was just like, well, can you help me up? <laughs> but it was, oh, and then um, he had a whip near him too. And so he's helping me on the bed. And then the whip, the uh, the cracker touches my leg and I scream because I thought it was a spider. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> so keep keep her away from spiders. That's the whole story. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, I just want to no more spiders. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't. I I don't even know. I I would have never even thought to play with spiders. I think that's like the scare. I I probably would have had the same experience as you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, it was so funny. There was uh someone who I talked to. You might hear this on another recording. Um, but he mentioned how he was like fisting somebody and then there was like a earthquake <laughs> oh like, no great like what do you do then like run out <laughs> with your arm up them <laughs> well how how graphic can we get on here because i have another funny story Ooh, get, get full on graphic yeah <laughs> all right so um i had this guy contact me online and we've been talking for months and whatnot and I was like, hey, I'm going to be on the East Coast. He's like, I live on the East Coast. And so we agreed to meet at this party and he wanted to try sounding. And Ooh. so sounding is where you put a metal. You're here up to a guy's pee hole and you can hear the ocean. <laughs> That's a different kind of sounding. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the kind I do <laughs> is where you put metal rods through the urethra of a penis. And he wanted to try it because I have so many different types. And so we go to this party. It's one of those we're swingers, but we're BDSM friendly. And so we're just like, all right, we'll see how this goes. Uh, because usually it's mostly, I feel like when I go to swinger events, it's mostly just people trying to have sex and I'm bringing out floggers and whips and they're like, what is that? Right, <laughs> right. And so we go and they had like this little room that has like a little raised stage and a cross on it and a spanking bench. I'm like, okay, I found my room. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get him naked. I put a hood on him and a blindfold and he's, I have him laid on the stage and people are gathering around us. They're like, what in the crap is she doing? Because I'm on the East Coast in this town that doesn't really have a lot of kink or leather. This is like the only party for like 200 miles. Right. And so I start sounding him and using all types of things. And the crowd was just like filling the room up. And so one lady faints. <gasps> um, <laughs> then another lady throws up. <laughs> oh, my God. Because they are just like, what the crap is going on? And I'm on stage with like rods in the dude's like penis. I'm just like, I can't really move right now. Right. <laughs> you can't just like pull it out. All, like <laughs> Right. And I'm just trying to like not like take him out of his subspace because that's not cool. And so the host comes in and tries to get everybody out of the room. And I'm trying to keep my guy calm, like nothing's going on. You're totally fine. <laughs> and so we finished the scene and he was just like, hey, I thought I had heard a moment of like commotion. I was like, yeah, someone fainted and threw up. And he was like, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love, That would be my dream to get. I, I live for the for reaction and that that would have just been the best thing actually <laughs> that's my favorite i was just like yes i made a lady faint and another lady throw up <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a scene from a movie really <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect i wish that whole thing was recorded <laughs> i really uh when i first saw sounding i was like oh my god are you freaking kidding me and then like a month later i went and got a couple sounds and started sounding myself <laughs> I never thought I'd be into sounding, but I met one of uh, a client who's now like a really good friend. And he was just like, he's like, just go ahead. You know, I trust you. Just try it on me. And what I like about it is the reaction it gets because every guy I've done it on, they're just so happy. They're like, I didn't know it feel this good. And it's just so amazing. And I have some people every time they see me like, can you sound me? Can you sound me? Do you have time to sound me, Miss Anna? <laughs> <laughs> No, what's so crazy is that it's like it's so sensitive. Um, mm -hmm. it, the only way I could describe it to somebody, and I guess everyone sounds differently, but I'll get to the point where I can pull it in and out, like at a rhythm, like all yeah. the way in, all the way out. And um, it it's, feels like you're jerking off from the inside. Like Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what one of my clients said on Saturday. He's like, yeah. it was the first time he got sounded. I was like, so how would you describe this? And he was like, this feels like I'm getting a hand job from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is kind of dangerous because you could get a mm -hmm. UTI. So you have to take the right precautions to sanitize everything and, right. um, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff, which is why I was so afraid to do it at first. But, you know, I think once you get the hang of it, it, it becomes sort of like a ritual, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, we'll have to do a special on sounding. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, sounding and <laughs> 
Fisting and sounding with Anna, with Queen Anna. <laughs> I love it. I love, um, I love all of the stories that you just shared with me. <laughs> Sometimes people just call me to be like, tell me stories. So if I end a class early, I'll be like, all right, now it's share time. <laughs> <laughs> that might, that's a good uh, ritual to have. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, I did want to get a little bit into some of the, the dynamics of what it's like to be in the leather scene as, as a woman, because as you, as we kind of discussed over leather talk over pride, women have a very different experience at times than men do when they come into leather spaces. Uh, so in general, like when women come into the leather community, how do they feel welcomed or how do they not feel welcomed? How, how does that whole thing play out? Um, I feel like that's such a big question. So let's see. Let's see if I can answer it from my perspective. So yeah. for me, um, when I go to a leather space, it's um, and I see other women, it's almost this uh, reaction of oh, another one like me. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it's like, yes, yay, another woman has made it in. Um, and when I won my title, it was beautiful because Immediately, I got messages from other women or leather women's groups that were saying congratulations, reaching out, asking if I wanted to join. So that was nice. But some of the negative things I have seen in leather is, you know, concerning how some women are treated. And I'm not saying that all non-women leather folk have a problem with leather women, but these are some of the experiences of me and my friends. So... Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll have male identif uh, female identifying friends that are afraid to go to a bar or some leather event because they feel they'll be ridiculed for looking female. Or sometimes, you know, we go to events and perform and we get booed or, you know, being told that, um, you know, leather space is for gay males or you know, being made fun of that we're women, being made fun of for being straight. And it's not that we're trying to take over the dining table. We're just trying to get a seat at the table. And we just want to connect with everyone and say, hey, you know, leather is about trust, honor, loyalty, and community, and respect. And that's what it should be about. It's not about us. It's bigger than us. It's about community. It's about acceptance. And this hatred towards women and heterosexuals need to stop. We need to find a way to get closer. And one step that we can do that is for the males that are on our side need to speak up when they see injustices happen. We need people to stand up when they see wrongs being done towards women or any group for that matter and we just need to need to pull together you know now i wonder uh and you know i don't know the answer to this and, and maybe you you don't either or maybe you do i don't know but i wonder how much of this is growing pains from people that are come from especially like the older generations because from my understanding the leather community used to be predominantly a cis white male gay space. And then, you know, only recently or in the last, you know, 10 or 20 years have there even been more cultural diversity or I don't know how, if women were always there along the way, or if, or if they're kind of, you know, making progress coming into the 
leather scene more? Like, I wonder how much of that is growing pains for people who are like stuck in the past. Um, I don't have exact dates. I've been trying to educate myself more on leather history, but from what I have gathered, you know, like, yes, it was this whole, like the cis leather world and women were there. Women were, you know, with some of these like male groups and then it turned more into like, okay, now we have the gay leather culture, but now it's turned into this thing of almost where the the cis males and the women aren't feeling so welcomed anymore, mm. you know, and we need we need to fix that and realize that leather is about community and that we're just here to help everyone. What I would love to see is that, okay, yeah, let's have our leather bars, let's have our leather dungeons and let's let's all be able to congregate together and then have some nights where you know it's male night only or female night only or what have you have those special nights have a poc night but overall it should be a place where everyone can feel welcome where everyone can have memories so essentially what you're saying is let's make like the the meat and potatoes of it a place where everybody can come together and then you know, if you want to go for off to the side and we'll have special events where it's like just a male space or just a women's space or just a whatever space. Is that kind of what you're saying? Right, right. And I feel like that's fine because, you know, even outside of leather and kink, you know, you have your women's groups and you have your men's groups and the POC groups, stuff like that. And then, you know, we have our nights so where we can all come together. And that's what we need. We need to rec- we need to have spaces you know, be open to everyone and then have, you know, a few nights out of the week, like, okay, this is men's night. This is women's night. You know, this is uh, a specialty group night. Got it. Got it. Yeah, definitely. That totally makes sense. Uh, You know, I think that's part of the reason why I fell so much in love with the bullet bar. I think you'll hear on a previous podcast of mine, how I said I went to the bullet bar for a while without even realizing that it was like a leather space at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's so many different people there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do have like our our definitely, I would say, male-centric nights. So they do have those times. But for the most part, every time I went, I would always see different people there. Um mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, oh my God, there's a leather pride flag up there. (laughs) Who knew? Um, But yeah, so what do you think uh, about like different ways that we can kind of come together? Because I wonder if it's enough for an event at a, you know, predominantly male space put on by a a cis male and then inviting women to be a part of it. Is that enough or does it really have to be like for women by women kind of thing? I mean, it depends because you want to make sure that everyone is heard. So if, you know, a bar is owned by a cis male, you know, are they talking to women in the community that can give them input on how to make the space more friendly? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it could be education. You know, maybe some of these bars can put on educational nights where we talk about diversity and inclusion And um, I'm working on getting more leather classes out there for people, you know, on leather history, on leather acceptance, just to work on our mentality. And yeah, uh, you mentioned that maybe it's just some people are just stuck in their old ways of thinking. And that could be true, too. You know, like, this is our space and it's been that way for 50 years. And it's just like, you know, well, something that works 50 years ago is not, you know 
good today. Lead paint, right. for example. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you just made that <laughs> comparison. Lead paint. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I definitely, definitely agree with you. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it is, some of it goes over our heads. I honestly didn't realize that we had a, a problem with that um, because I just never took notice of it until someone mentioned it to me. And then I looked around and I was like, you're right. You're right. We do. Um, it kind of reminds me of my experience when I went to, I, I did my first two years at a private college and I was walking around like halfway through my second year there. And I stopped in my tracks and I realized, oh my God, I'm one of three Mexicans here and I know all of the black people. <laughs> Everyone else is white. It's just something that if you don't yeah. if you don't look, if you're not aware of, of where you are and you don't have self-awareness, you're not gonna notice these things, you know. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is is like some of us don't have a choice but to notice them. Yeah. You know, that's a luxury, really. And what I will say for the women, you know is that we need to make sure that we're calling people out when they do some type of injustice. We need to stay strong and we need to keep working hard too. We can't be complacent and be scared all the time. We need to keep working and building up our community. We need to keep educating. We need to keep putting our faces out there. And I tell people, you're not getting rid of me. You're gonna know the queen. You're gonna know my name. You're gonna know my blue hair. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm here to educate and the women need to do their part too and speak up when they can and make your face known, make your voices known because, you know, some people don't know that there's problems. Some people don't know a lot of women in the space and that's because, you know, we need to, we need to speak up and yes, we do need other community members to help us build our voices and to stop being ignored or left behind. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when, when, uh, when it comes to men, really, it's like one, be aware Two, be part of the change. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to women, it's, you know, have your, let your voices be heard. Uh, now I, I just, I do want to put out there that, you know, I don't think anyone's minds are changed by combativeness, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I think it's a tough thing because, you know, when someone feels left out and it's, and, and it's been like that for a long time, it's so easy to just get tired of it, you know? But, um, yeah. you know, it's the same thing like with me and my parents, for example, like I just, I'll, I'll get combative just because I get emotional about it sometimes. And I don't think, you know, I could change my parents' minds by being combative about it, though. Like, I, when if you're trying to change someone's minds, it really is about, like you said, education. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, we, there's no, I don't know the answers to all of that, but you know, when it comes to women having their voices heard, I think it's important that it's it comes from a place of education, you know, rather than necessarily uh, you should be ashamed of yourself, kind of. Yeah, thing. exactly. We know. can't go in to um, any situation with hot heads we need to be we need to be clear with our intention we need to have um you know ways that we want to be included and some you know as much as we can some solutions to the problems that we have in the community 
Right, right. And, you know, of course, I'm speaking from the ideal, obviously, that there's going to be times when people are just going to have be at their wits end and just have no choice but to just get emotional. So I'm not saying that won't happen and not, you know, but, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but anyways, enough of, <laughs> enough of <all> that. <laughs> we, we, let's be a part of the change. And, and Anna, I just love speaking with you today and uh, just getting to know you more. And I can tell, especially when we get out of this COVID, we're going to be great friends. <laughs> yes, definitely. indeed. Uh, and I, you know, I as Mr. Bullet Leather 2020 will put it out there, you know, right now that I, I will be, I will do my best to be as inclusive as possible because I do see the Bullet Bar as a melting pot and a place where everyone can come together. And it seems like, you know, Sanctuary is a place similar to that, you know, where everyone is just welcome. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how can we, how can we reach out? How can we, um, you know, get in contact with you? How can we sign up for a king or fetish class? So you can email me at queenannaalgos at gmail.com. That's queen, Q-U-E-E-N, Anna, A-N-A, algos, A-L-G-O-S at gmail.com. I am on Facebook at queenanna.algos. And I am on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife at Queen Anna Algos. I also do a TikTok, um, and I make it kind of educational, where I do one-minute spurts of different topics and kinks. I'll go over, like, what's negotiation? What's consent? How do you handle jealousy, um, you know, between partners? So my TikTok handle is silly underscore switch underscore Anna. And um, if you want to check out the events and classes that I hold, go to my link tree. So that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Queen Anna Algos. And there you'll see the classes I hold, the classes hosted by Sanctuary. Um, And I also have a list of places where you can donate to help um, different black organizations so please check out my link tree awesome awesome well before we go uh would you like to make any last statements before we wrap up um i just want to say thank you for having me on and speaking and i know we had some funny moments we had some serious moments and i'm really glad you have this platform so people can hear other folks in the community and i know we are helping somebody out there today through your podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Before we go, I'd like to remind all of you that in the midst of this COVID-19, there are several organizations here in the Los Angeles leather community that are here to help. The LALC Cares, Bullet Bar Pantry, and the LA Leather COVID-19 Assist. If you or anyone you know is in need of assistance, please reach out. I will have links in the description below. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Facebook as Brandon Bullet. Once again, thank you so much, Queen Anna Elgos, for coming on the show. Uh, would you mind wrapping us up? All right. Thank you for having me on the show. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.